everybody. Welcome back to another episode of DadCast. I'm JP, that guy over there recovering and healing, hopefully, is Mr. Nick Martin. Nick, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm good. It's a cool day in Southern Oregon, finally. Oh, it was almost like sweatshirt and shorts day. Yeah, actually, in I the went, morning. I, I went t-shirt. So. In the morning it was, yes. but in my studio, which uh, we've documented very well over the past couple of years, it's um, <laughs> there's no AC and it gets about 120 degrees in here. I think we're only rocking about 85 in here today, so I'm comfortable and I'm doing real well. Nice. All right. Today on the show, uh, we have, um, for lack of a better way to put it, from what I gathered with talking with him prior to starting the recording, um, a fan of DadCast, which is incredibly awesome. Um, he has a story to tell. We cannot wait to hear from him. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Steve Loveless. Hello, sir. How are you today? Uh, you know what? You'll never find me saying I'm having a bad day, even when I'm having a bad day. So today is actually a great day to be here on the, be here with you guys. Absolutely. We love it, man. And thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks, um, man. I, I say the same thing, you know, when people say, how are you? And you say, you know, you can't complain. Well, you could, but what's the point? So as a rite of passage, here we go. You know what is coming. Uh, the first question we always ask on DadCast to get these things going is the infamous, are you a dad? I'm a very proud dad. I've got two awesome boys, uh, Jackson and Baron, 17 and 15, and both are incredible kids. One, Baron is very close to getting his eagle in scouts, which we're super proud of. And that's all mom. That's got nothing really to do with dad, sadly. But uh, and, and there's a story behind that. But yes, very proud to be a dad. Awesome. So two boys, 17, 15. Um, I, I'm not quite there yet when it comes to my boy. So I can't, you know, the teen years are, are they're approaching real quick. And we all know how quick those come. Nick has the experience when it comes to raising <laughs> so teenage much boys easier with teenage boys than teenage girls. It's like night and day. And I and you got you've heard so you you really can't compare the two. But um, I mean, raising boys, w- were there any difficulties? I mean, there, there's always bumps in the road. There's always hiccups of some sort. But Mr. Loveless, in your experience, in your path and adventure as a dad, anything uh, strike you know pops in your head that was like, oh man, that was tough. That was a tough time. Anything like that? Uh, no time in particular. But their will is equally, if not more so, strong the mind so they inherited that gene rightfully so right and we butt heads but at the end of the day we don't raise voices we just you know tend to love each other and we have a pretty happy household i mean i i try to maintain a positive attitude most all the time and these guys i'm trying to let that reflect on them hopefully they're they're going to do the same going out in the world amazing yeah i'm i i my daughter and my son uh both have inherited that stubborn gene and the the pushback gene um (laughs) Thankfully, they didn't come out redhead like Papa uh, is and slowly turning into was. But, uh, yeah, we'll see when that gets there. I'm afraid for my nine-year-old daughter because, oof, Nick can tell you, he's going through uh, the midst of it. And I have a 17-year-old stepdaughter. It is a completely different ballgame, a different ballpark. Man, it's it's difficult. So so count your blessings. At the same time, though, having girls is amazing. (laughs) So <laughs> is, is it Steve, Steven? What do I call you? You can call me Steve. Yeah. Steve. All right. Steve, um, you have a story to tell. And like I was mentioning to you off the air, I dug a little bit, then I stopped because I wanted to hear it uh, from, you know, from the bull's mouth itself. 
So this is it, man. This is your, you've got the conch. The platform is yours. Let's talk. All right. Well, let me first say that I'm the least famous person you guys have ever interviewed. And I've been joking with my kids about that. So this, this may take me to the next level. In their okay. <laughs> well, but don't be so sure about that. When I Googled you, uh, it came up. You know, and, and, and we've had, you know, people on here. I mean, uh, let's see. Hopefully he watches it. But, uh, you know, uh, Greg, the weatherman. <laughs> He's not as famous as you. Oh, Derek Cole, you're not as famous. But all right, Steve Lovelace, let's hear this thing, man. And give yourself okay. some credit. All right. Well, I, I do appreciate that. I'm, I'm a little too humble to go out there and bang my own ground. But my story, um, I really didn't find out too much about the, the pinnacle of my story until most recently, but it goes back to 1982. I was a 20-year-old college student, and I was cutting firewood for some extra money. Uh, right after my grandfather had passed, I'd moved back to my grandmother's farm to help her take over things. And I thought I knew a lot about cutting firewood, but on this particular day, I knew nothing. And you guys are in lumberjack country. So you may have heard the term barber chair, uh, which is when a tree splits in half, falls over. It's one of the most dangerous things that you'll encounter in a lumberjack situation. We were cutting on a tree and it happened to barber chair. As things transgressed, my friend was cutting on the half that was still cut to the, still stuck to the ground. And somehow, I don't know how, uh, the both halves ended up slamming together on me, almost like a Pac-Man just kind of closing you up. Right. So I had a half of this tree to my front, I had a half to the back. Mm. When I finally woke up and, and I realized what was going on, I figured out that I was paralyzed and I was trapped in this tree in the middle of a wheat field in the middle of Wagner County, miles away from pretty much anything. The friend that was with me had to run three miles to actually go find some help. I was trapped in the tree for more than two hours. By the time they got me to the hospital, what we figured out was that I had fractured my frontal bone. I split the roof of my mouth, fractured my mandible, crushed my left wrist, bruised my heart, and basically imploded three lumbar vertebrae, which is where the paralysis came in. So I spent about three and a half months in the hospital through uh, you know, convalescence and healing. I get out, I spent another three and a half months in a rehabilitation center before being kind of thrown onto my own. At the time I was released from the rehab center, I could maybe make my way across the room with a crutch or uh, a cane but I was very, very weak and it was kind of left to my own device to figure out how I was going to heal myself. And from 83 to about 85, I pushed myself harder than you can imagine through insurmountable pain, many, many pills. Eventually I was able to, to get off all the pills. And then fortuitously one night in maybe October, November, 1985, I was watching TV and I came across the Hawaiian Ironman World Championship Triathlon. And in this, they were replaying the 1982 uh, Julie Moss crawling towards the finish line. It's one of the most iconic things in sports. If you've never seen it, you have to watch it. It's maybe a, a two-minute segment. It'll change your life to see the amount of effort that she was giving to cross, to get to that finish line and cross it. And I could so relate to all the effort that she was putting into it, all the pain and just pulling every ounce that she had out of her to get to that goal line because I'd just done that with the accident that I had you know, gone through. So I said to myself, I'm going to do a triathlon. <laughs> it was pretty whimsical at the time because triathlon was basically in its infancy in 86. It started somewhere in the late seventies. And I entered the triathlon uh, 
in Ponca City. It, it happened in 1986 in June. I lined up, I completed the race, came in dead last, no biggie. <laughs> but what I came to discover only last year during COVID as I was doing research on paratriathlon was that at that particular time, I was only the second individual that had a disability that actually ever did this. And, you know, to kind of backtrack a little bit, my paralysis was temporary. Uh, I did end up with paralysis in my left leg and constant pain and uh, crooked spine as a result of the accident. But none of that stopped me. I went ahead and went forth and I did that triathlon. I made history, uh, helped pioneer a new sport that is now a Paralympic sport. Uh, and also an Olympic sport. So, you know, it was quite a shocker and quite an eye-opener that I actually could, you know, see my name in print now as part of, you know, making this history happen. That's a story right there. Amazing. Yeah. Now, it's swimming, biking, running, correct? Yeah, it was uh, a mile swim, a 25-mile bike, and a 6.2-mile ride from a guy that could barely shuffle across the floor uh, three years earlier. Yeah, and I'm guessing, I mean... I I like to put myself in the shoes of anyone I speak it, speak with. And in your case, can't even imagine, but I'm guessing the swimming was the easiest of those three legs. Well, I mean, not for, necessarily. no, <laughs> well, not, not that particular day. It rained a torrential rain that night. And so here's a, a funny part of the story is that the friend and I that had gone up to do this triathlon together, we had camped out lakeside. And we were so close to the shore that the lake started to rise into the tent. We ended up having to vacate and we slept in his Volkswagen bug that we had driven up there. And, and let me tell you, a Volkswagen bug is not meant for sleep. It, it's, it's barely it's meant for driving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, that was uh, what actually transpired with that is that the water was so cold that my legs started cramping. And I ended up, I think it was like two or three times I had to hang off a boat and try to rub the cramps out just so I could make it to the shore. But when I did, I, I wasn't last coming out of the swim. I wasn't last coming out of the, of the bike, but I ended up pulling off course to take a bio break during the run. And when I came out, I saw the sweep vehicle behind me. And I knew at that point that I was the last guy, but it did not stop my determination to get to the finish line. I mean, I yeah, knew I, that I was going to I can't imagine that um, going into this, you had intentions of winning this thing, uh, right? <laughs> no, no. It was more of a kind of a rocky thing. I want to go the distance. I want to prove to the world that I could finish. And uh, well done, man. So yeah. wow. what's life like been since then? Have you attempted another? Oh, I did several after that. Okay. Uh, you know, I continued racing and I always raced against able-bodied individuals. There was no classification for disabled athlete back then. Uh, eventually I moved into bike racing and I actually won several races, uh, not overall, but in my age group as a, as a bike racer, uh, disabled, you know, going against other healthy individuals, which I never went out there, you know, putting the flag out saying, hey, look what I did. I was never that boastful, but I was very proud of the accomplishment that I'd done. And I shared it with, you know, some close friends and family, but never really took it as far as, hey, you know, put me in a paper and give right. me an interview, you know, let me share that. That's just never really been my nature until now. So I'm doing math in my head. And you said 20 years old when the accident happened in 82. Yep. 
Okay. That would make you, uh, okay, well, you know, it'll make you what it is today. But the point I'm getting at here, the method to my madness, your oldest son is 17-year-old. That makes you, kind of like me, and I'll relate, a old father, meaning you had kids for the first time later in life rather than Nick, who had him when he was, what, like 10. Um, uh, Is that correct? That's correct. That is okay. correct. I, now, actually, I just turned 60 last month, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm 60. So. boy, I, I, I wasn't going to be the one to say it, but, you know, I'm like, <laughs> he's either 59 or real close to 60 at some point here. Um, so how did that work out with, with the kids? Was it just, uh, did you want to be a father? Did it never come up? Uh, you know, how, how did the journey get to you to where you had children later in life? Well, I was never much the ladies' man in college. I didn't have a lot of money, and uh, the dating experiences that I did have didn't really work out to my advantage. So when I got out, I, I focused on my career. I focused on sport. You know, I put my efforts into uh, different areas other than girling, as my grandfather used to call it. Girling, okay. Girling, yeah. So. Nick has a different word for it, but we won't talk about that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know eventually i um i did get married i it was for a very short period of time to a, a very beautiful lovely lady uh still friends with her and as a matter of fact and then eventually i met my wife uh you know we i was traveling i was doing sales so i was never in town and i ended up going and doing yahoo personals and she and i met through yahoo personals and coming up on 19 years worth of marriage uh here this october all right so it's just you know you got a late start like you know, it wasn't for a lack of trying on my end. And, you know, we've, we've discussed this on some podcasts. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, in my particular case, my first, you know, blood child, my, my first, you know, my kid that came from me, uh, I was 36, which does tend to skew late. And again, it wasn't for a lack of trying in my past. It just, it never came up. And there was plenty of opportunity for a scare or a, a you know, whatever you want to call it never happened and so for lack of a better way to put it i said i was shooting blanks and then my lady came up one morning and it was in fact the day after my birthday in 2009 uh she says i'm pregnant and i said who are you sleeping with because it could be mine but you know you know long story short it he's mine and uh just you know it, it happened later so it, it who knows what the reasons are and the universe speaking but that was it was time to become a dad at that point in my time. And I have no doubt that it saved my life. It's the best thing that has ever happened to me. I want to take you back about 18 years, Steve, that fateful morning at some point, the wife came up to you and said, Hey, guess what? You're going to be a dad. Can you relive that day for us? Uh, I immediately went out and bought a small set of golf clubs <laughs> because, well, and, and there's a story behind that. My wife yeah. and I uh, wish I could have done golf. that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was you know trying to push them into golf and the ironic thing is that neither one of them play now uh, but you know there's always that hope they, they still have the clubs in the garage they'll learn here at mine at some point in time but i'm looking at mine right yeah, now I, I was at it. <laughs> and it's sad there's spider webs on it oh yeah <laughs> time to dust them off now you know with ball and those cool temperatures yep. you were talking about, it's time to get out there it Best is so but she so she told you that morning yeah, I'm, was, I'm more and more curious on the emotional aspect. What went through your mind? Like, oh, God, were you scared? Oh, I'm excited. She was more, oh, God, 
than I was. I was ecstatic. I mean, because okay. I had always been kids. Um, you know, my, I didn't have a dad growing up. My dad left our family when I was four. So I didn't have an example, but I wanted to be a great example. And, you know, I look forward to passing on the legacy, not necessarily my name, but uh, just, you know, the life that I had led to them so that hopefully they can go out and make an impact in the world in a positive way. Awesome. He's a senior, I'm guessing, right about now? Uh, he's a junior. Yeah. Junior, okay. And, yeah, this, uh, you know, this kind of relates to Nick. He was a preemie. Um, so, you know, the sad thing about preemies, and I'm sure Nick can echo this, is when you go to the hospital for the birth and you're expecting to bring your baby home and you can't, it's the most hollow moment in your life. You, you yeah. can't imagine. Uh, well, and then you have to go back and forth and back and forth, you know, for this thing that's yours, not <laughs> possession-wise, but, you know, your, your offspring. And it's yeah. so difficult, so difficult. Yeah, and in Nick's yeah. case, it was during COVID. He couldn't even go visit. Yeah, I got, it was, yeah, it was, I think three or four weeks before they would even let me come visit my baby. And then it was one hour a week. And I had to, when I held him, I had to go get suited up, covered up. It was, I looked like a scary monster probably. So like the kid didn't even like me. I was like, all right, this sucks. Uh, yeah, How much has changed? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now he, like, he hates me even more now. So <laughs> And you've been following along, Steve, right? He I he posted today. Baby yeah. update. We're halfway done cooking up little Sophia. So it's little yeah. Sophie, not Sophia, Sophie. 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 Yeah, uh, we're not going Sophia. We're just going Sophie. Okay. So All right. My has, bad. So I'm a little worried, though. She already has an attitude. So, <laughs> dude, we have a She's picture. a girl, man. Of course She's she does. Legitimately <laughs> flipping off the x-ray tech in this picture. Coincidence. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> But and I'm, I'm an old expert tech, so I can understand. <laughs> Every time the X-ray tech was trying to get a picture, she'd like roll over and move. So poor Mama had to roll to her side, left side, right side. I'm like, oh my God, Sophie, just stop! Your poor Mama's in so much pain. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was it was four hard and not. a half months. So what's the due date, Nick? January 31st. 31st. Okay. Um, I'm gonna be selfish and hope for uh just you know a month early. It's still yeah, perfectly healthy, and uh, that way she can have a December birthday like me. Well, there's a cool and, thing. If she pops out and she's the first baby of the new year, I'm pretty sure it's free. Yeah, so yeah that's true. That is true. <laughs> let's push for that. But I'm also trying. I'm look, I'm thinking long term for you here, bud. If she's born anywhere a week before or after Christmas forever. You now have happy birthday and Merry Christmas combined. That's right. So, yeah, for, yeah financial you're, wise. Your Barbie. Yeah, your Barbie. It's a it's yeah. a it's a, it's a multi present exactly cool. <laughs> hey steve so um how today at 60 years old um, we're talking 40 years after this crazy accident how's your mobility today you know i've got a, a rare disease now that i've developed as a result of the accident or meningitis or spinal fluid leak or you know the combination right. that um it's called arachnoiditis it's very rare it's very painful and it's slowly been paralyzing me below the waist so below the knees i have maybe 20 percent function uh from the waist down i've got most function but my hamstrings are, are slowly starting to go i just right. use function and feeling you know periodically as i go but it doesn't stop me i've got uh, afos that i put on that i use to ride my bike and I can still swim like everybody running is the most difficult part when I, you know, trying to do a triathlon and I am back in triathlon now, but I do pair up with people to run for me. Uh, what's, 
what's the uh, craziest thing you've done aside from a triathlon went with, you know, being immobile, but I mean, yeah, like skydiving, bungee jumping, stunt man. I mean, you, cause you seem to me like you may have a, a, a very determined side of you that wants to try things that people say you can't. I pushed the line and the boundary for sure. Yeah. Probably, and I'm going to go back to the 90s for this. It was climbing uh, what was called the Belle Isle Power Tower at uh, here in Oklahoma City. It was this old power plant. They had this huge stack that went up several hundred feet. A couple of friends and I went through this place, and it was all hollowed out. They'd taken everything out, so it was kind of treacherous making our way up. But we climbed to the very top of this, and as we're on the top of the tower, we see police cars pull up down below. And we're all kind of freaking out. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? We climb down as fast as we can. We, we sneak out. We see flashlights all over the field. End up kind of running through a creek and making our way to a mall, which at this point it was like one o'clock in the morning. Security guards stop us. What are you doing here at the mall? And we're like, we're just looking for a ride. And uh, so that was probably one of the craziest things and not too mischievous. I've always been on the side of the law for the most part, but that was probably going a little bit out of the boundary. Did we ever find out what the cops were doing? <laughs> they were looking for us. Oh, okay. <laughs> so well done then. <laughs> we had been called. I alluded. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, fugitive. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I got to ask, uh, what's the deal with baby cowboy in the background? Oh, that's me. <laughs> I thought it might be. As a kid, that was uh, my mom's favorite picture. And uh, she's getting up in age. She's now 85. And she's kind of cleaning things out of the house. She's like, I want you to have this. And I'm like, well, that means a lot. Because it, it's hung in our house since. And I was that age, which I think it was about two, maybe, uh, back yeah. then. I've got one of those that actually went to, well, I shouldn't say I've got. My family does. Um, it was a picture of my grandfather was born in 1905 uh and i guess my great-grandfather had a dairy farm and sold milk so it was pierce's milk you know it's it's no longer and it's no longer a thing but back then anyway the picture is of my grandpa probably a year and a half two years old holding a glass of milk it said pierce's special above it and he looked like a female because they, you know, they dressed him in dresses back in then for some whatever reason. Well, that's fine. Uh, but that was hanging in my grandparents' house forever and ever and ever. And they passed and it went down to my parents and my parents both have passed. And then my brother ended up getting the original and that's hanging up in his house now. So that's, that's pretty cool, man. That's a good story. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Nick. Yeah, Nick. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you want to? So yeah, so actually, I do have something. So JP asked me earlier, do I know who Steve is or anything about Steve? And I lied to him and said no. So er, by, back about 22 years ago, I actually broke my knee, broke my leg, ripped all the muscles off my bones, couldn't walk for a year. My best friend scoured the internet and found inspiring stories of people, and you were one of them. So oh, wow. to get me, yeah, he's like, so, so when you reached out, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like I actually read about this guy 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So basically, yeah. Cause I was like super depressed. I couldn't walk. I was in a cast from my hip down to my toes and uh, it took a year before I could actually walk. And then after that I was running and started lifting weights again. So you were part of the healing process of that, that my best friend found a story about you on the internet 20 wow. years ago. I'm honored. <laughs> How cool yeah, is so that? I 
Yeah, I was that like, that is really so cool. That and I just figured out why yeah. you're on the podcast now, Steve. Because no, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, so I've been keeping that a secret for quite a while. So, yeah. um, oh, that that's really cool. Yeah. Do your boys know how much of a badass you are? <laughs> 